Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Ahoy, everyone there. Hello, my fair maidens and my fair knights. Today we are doing a new episode of Double Feature where we are comparing two tales of um, knights. So what we got on the uh, platter today is uh, Brian Hagelin's A Knight Tale versus David Lowry's A Green Knight. Brad, my fair sir, how are you doing today? I am doing quite well, uh, especially with these great tales we are about to unravel. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, all right, let's quit all the, uh, throw all the accents out the window. I'm not, I can't do that for a whole hour. No? I'll, I'll mess it up at some point. I'll mess it up. Um, I mean, if we set the president now, by the time we get to a uh, Mocky Mock episode, we'd have to do a Boston accent the entire hour, so. Mocky Mock. Mocky Mock. Oh, oh. <laughs> Mocky Mock. Wicked Schmock. Wicked smart. You. We gotta save them Transformers. <laughs> maybe yes, maybe no. How about you go f- yourself? Remember that from <laughs> The Departed? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, all right, all right, all right. Night's Tale. So let's do this. You know you know how we do it, folks. We do it chronologically over here. All right, so we're going to start off with uh, Night's Tale. And... Um, this film, uh, based off the Knight's Tale, written by Geoffrey Chaucer in um, his famous uh, novel, The Canterbury Tales, um, this follows a young man named William, played by Heath Ledger at his most pristine, um, uh, boyish look, uh, heartthrobness. Remember, this is 2001. Yeah. Um, he dreams of being a great knight. Uh, so, you know, he's, um, he's, he, well, he dreams of being a great jousting knight. So he, uh, competes in very jousting tournaments. Um, I gotta be honest, man, when this first started, cause the last time I saw this film was in theaters. Like, remember when Universal Mall in Michigan had the, had the theater that showed films that were like, uh, they weren't first run, but they were right before they came out on DVD. Oh, you're talking like, about like the $2 theater? Yeah. Yeah. I remember I saw this there. Um, Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon was playing at that theater around that time, too. Um, I saw this there around that time, and, you know, I liked it. I went with my cousins and my grandmother. I, I know we bought it on VHS, and I probably saw it one more time. Outside of that, I probably never watched it again. And uh, this would be this was, like, my first time in a long time watching this. Like, dude, this is this is so 2001. It is. Uh, this was actually the first time I actually watched this movie. So oh, wow. I didn't really know what was going on when going into it. Uh, I decided to completely go in blind as well. So I didn't look up any of the actors or anybody else. And I forgot that that was actually Heath Ledger until the credits rolled. Cause, really? Yeah, you, you didn't notice him? 
I it's been so long since I've seen him. Like, because when I think Heath Ledger, I think of Joker. Brokeback Mountain and Joker. Like those okay. are the two oh, okay. that. It, so he looks completely different in this than he did in you know those two movies, and it, it's like I know he played in other movies and I've seen him in other movies as well. It's just hard yeah. to kind of go, oh yeah, that's Heath Ledger. Right. All right. I guess that makes sense. I just uh, Heath just has a specific face, you know. With Joker, fair enough, he's wearing all that clown makeup. But mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry, Dark Knight, not Joker. But Heath just has a specific face that even when he's younger, you know that's him. Like, 10 Things I Hate About You, that's that's Heath. You, he has a specific type of look. Um, yeah, as soon like as the Alex, credits rolled, I was like, oh, yeah, that is, oh, yep, that's Heath Ledger. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, it just like, didn't spring on me, uh, like, who it was, because I was just enveloped into the movie. I don't mind, I don't mind the, the film's, Anna, Anna, I guess this is the way you pronounce it, anachronistic style with playing contemporary music in a medieval time setting. Like when it starts off with Queen, you know, we will rock you and everybody's like clapping their hands and slapping their knees to the beat. I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. I'll stick with it. But as it goes along, and um, I'm not even talking about in the second act, I'm like the first act, I'm like, this is a this is a teen romantic comedy masked as a medieval film. Mm-hmm. How did I, I, how how would that work? You know, I could I could picture the younger Anthony liking this movie, but I'm like Anthony today. I'm like, oh my goodness, they they got away with this in 2001. Yeah, um, but it comes out as a really fun movie. It, like, well, yeah, as, go ahead. It, it works out. Like the music, yeah, it it doesn't fit a medieval kind of theme, right? But the overall theme of the movie, which is kind of like a rebellious theme, it kind of fits with the poppy music a little bit. Yeah, like as it as it progresses, you know, everything grows on you. Um, William's character grows on you. Mark Addy and Alan Tudyk grow on you. Um, the film's MVP, Paul Bettany, grows on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's the best thing about the movie, but we'll we'll get to him. Um, yeah, everything grows on you. Um, so yeah, it, in the beginning, when I started it, I looked at the time and I said, two hours and 12 minutes of all this, this film is way longer than it should be. And even though the film ended on a pretty solid note, I still believe this film is way longer than it should be. Like this is a, this, this should be a hundred minute film. See, I... I enjoyed the film enough that the length didn't bother me Uh, because there was always kind of something going on and it was kind of always like fun. Like I could see this being that like family movie that came out in 2001, 100%. It was. And yeah, it it definitely fits exactly what it was meant to be. Uh, A fun kind of medieval movie. It, It basically is medieval times the movie. You know, it's not trying to be accurate at all. It's not trying to be serious at all. It's just trying to be a fun movie. And it accomplishes that with flying colors, in my opinion. You know, all the actors are great in it. Yes, you fall, you slowly fall in love with every single one of the characters in this film. Well, I'm not that well. I, I didn't quite like the love interest that much. I kind of felt like she was just there. But I, I hear what you're saying for most of the characters. Yeah, it, for most of the characters, you, you really do, like, the core team of the four people, it, mm-hmm. you know, like, William and his uh, kind of staff, I guess, 
Uh, it, yeah. You fall in love with them. They're all so great. They fall into the characters. Uh, they don't fall into like flanderizations of what you expect these characters to be either. Like I love that uh, for the uh, guy that starts off as like a gambler and a swindler and everything like that. Uh, eventually became their like most needed tool to get to where they were going. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Paul Bettany, he sells this movie so much. Like I love, and you know, you know, you know who Jeffrey Chaucer is, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's the guy that you know wrote the story that inspired this movie. You know, because he wrote the Canterbury Tales, which I read in high school. Um, yeah, like he sells this movie. Like um, he's a guy that's a compulsive gambler, but he's also very resourceful. And like you said, like his his way to like uh, just just make a scene and like uh, and like just 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 set the set the scene. Um, yeah, like he's very he's a very dynamic character, as you would say. Yeah, and I really like uh, you know I love Mark Addy in almost anything he's in. Um, Alan Tudyk is funny as the as Watt. How he always wants to fight somebody. You oh, know what yeah. I'm Like you know he's hilarious. Um, Kate, the uh, the the blacksmith, the female blacksmith, she's pretty great. And you know that's I didn't even know that's Lydia from Breaking Bad. Is it? That's her. That's Lydia. I would have never put the two together as the same actress. I just had to look at her at one point because there was a scene where um, she was trying to convince them that she could be their blacksmith. And I just I just stared at her for a long time and I said, dude, that's Lydia from Breaking Bad. Yeah, th- this movie yeah. definitely has star power. Uh, I don't yeah. know if it was star power when it came out, though. Um, I can't I can't I can't speak to that. I, well, I know Heath Ledger was soaring off of a uh, Ten Things I Hate About You fame, so I know he was the selling heartthrob point of the movie, for yeah. sure. Um, but I don't know if it, I don't know if it had star power. I think maybe the lady that played Jocelyn, the love interest, she might have had some movies too before this. I'm not too sure, but I think this was one of those films that you know it just became a, a sleeper hit because it's just a fun movie. I gotta say, I wasn't really sold in the first act. Um, the first act kind of made me a little, a little fidgety, because I'm like, I don't know if I could take this for a whole movie. I can't take these characters seriously. I mean, Paul Bettany's the only one I like so far. In the second act, thing it, it, it hooked me in a little bit. I like the camaraderie between them, the banter between the the friends, and mm-hmm. the love interest storyline didn't bother me as much. But I gotta say. Growing, going towards the third act, um, the relationship between William and his father, I got tired of all the flashbacks, but um, one scene that really did hit me was when they got reunited. Oh, when yeah. Re- when he, like, comes that, back into his father's house and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they hey. definitely played that scene really well, and he played being yeah. blind well as well because he was always looking off into the distance in every scene that he's in. Uh, right. It... it it kind of he definitely developed that character a little bit in the few little moments that he had for it, and mm-hmm. I, I loved it. It that was um that was that moment in Justice League. The I'm sorry, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, where Superman kind of hears the two fathers in 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 his ears, like the Russell Crowe father and then the uh, 
the uh, Kevin Costner father and how they just kind of molded him into the man he is today. That was a Superman scene, man. Like, I really mm-hmm. like that little re- that re- reunion between William and his father. I'm like, okay, even though there's too many flashbacks between them, too many generic flashbacks, I should say, I was like, I, I really like this scene. Yeah. It, it, that's one thing is this movie kind of pushes the line for what should be really annoying yeah. But it ends up working out in its favor. Like the flashbacks, yeah, they're annoying, but they weren't, you know, happening enough that you were kind of getting old of them. And then they actually yeah. had a good payoff at the end. Um, there was a purpose to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Paul Bettany's character, if done wrong, he would have been like the Jar Jar Binks of this movie. And oh, yeah, they, they had. They could have. There were so many ways they could have messed it up, and very few they could have done it right. And they hit the nail on the head with his character, especially with how eccentric he is, and you know how he always tries to make a huge scene out of everything. Like they did really well. I think with something like that, casting is important. Like yes, you had to have the right person for that role, and Paul Bettany just had the right kind of, you know, mischievous, quirky swagger to play a role like that. You know, like Mark Eddy was the perfect person to play Roland. Alan Tudyk was the perfect person to play Watt. Like these people, even even the, the antagonist of the film, Rufus Sewell, he played Count Adamar. He's the perfect person to play that. He had the perfect kind of smarmy look to him, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, nose up to the air, you know, who are you? You know, he mm-hmm. had the perfect kind of look for that role. Yeah, he played a very well-written villain. Because uh, th- that's yeah. one thing in these early, like, 2000 movies, that villains are basically like, I'm evil. And it, with him, yeah, that's basically his entire thing is, I'm evil, you know, bow down to me kind of thing. But it, it's so well played that you kind of forget that that's his entire purpose of being there is just the antagonist. Or not the antagonist. But you know why he's like that, though. You know that yeah. he's a high-born kind of person, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, he, looks, he looks down on the low-born, so he's he's... Of course, he's going to be mean and arrogant. That's that's in his nature. You know what I'm saying? It's not a guy that's just evil just to be evil. It's just in his nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to say, uh-huh. I, I was surprised by this movie. Like, it, so many things that they could have done wrong and made it completely that forgettable movie. Because uh, prior to us it doing this episode, I really didn't you know, know much about this movie at all. I didn't even think of it as one of the propped movies to put up against the Green Knight. Let me tell you guys something. When Brad and I were doing this episode and we both decided we were seeing the Green Knight, I said, look, we need to pick something that's medieval, has has could have a little bit of magic to it, um, and is not Lord of the Rings. And he said, well, what else is there? Yeah, when you take out Lord of the Rings, you're basically left with a King Arthur movie, which is like, okay, well, which of the two King Arthur movies do we do at that point? Right, then we realize, oh, that's an episode on itself. You know, and then um, I say, well, well, how about let's just focus on Knights and we do some things around and we came up with Knight's Tale. Um, I picked this movie because this this is kind of a cult classic, too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... A lot of Heath Ledger fans, you know, they do. I, I feel like they they put this movie up there too, just because of like this is just a good film with Heath Ledger in it. Like a lot of people love Ten Things I Hate About You. I never really finished that movie, but I know it's a classic and it has Heath in it. So a lot of people note it when they say like, you know, okay, the, the most memorable Heath Ledger films. So yeah, you know, um, 
I'm glad I picked this because I was like, well, I liked it as a kid. It might still be good today. You know, that's not always true. But this one, it, uh, it turned me around in the second act. It turned me around halfway through. Yeah, this one, I, I can say I was at least intrigued at the beginning. Uh, by the end, I, I was loving the cast. I was loving the plot. I was kind of, you know, internally like cheering, like, yeah, this is where we're going with this. I like where this is going. Because there was even that little bit of a conflict with him like being found out and stuff. And you knew that was coming at some point in the movie. And they did it well, and then they actually had good reasoning behind how he becomes the hero and gets knighted and stuff like that, because he was the only person that kind of didn't have such a high horse about their entire attitude that they were willing to go up against uh, the king, or the new to-be king at the time, uh, when everybody else was dropping out. And he actually still wanted to be able to joust and stuff like that. And that was like toward the beginning of the movie, if I recall correctly, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So that that was a long pull for that thread to finally get closed at the end. And it just, I think it wrapped it up really nicely. Yeah, yeah. It's a solid movie. I, um, If we're wrapping it up, I give it a light 3-5, strong 3. I, I I'd put this one at a three five, uh, possibly even a four. It's just a really fun movie. I think it's okay. it, it's a really good one. I enjoyed it. Uh, right. Top notch acting know. definitely brings it up, though. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 had to have the camaraderie and the chemistry to make a film like this work. Yep. Because yeah, it, some films kind of rely on the acting and the chemistry. Because if that's not there and the, and the story is already of its time generically, it ain't it ain't going to work. Yeah. Uh, which uh, moves us to another tale about a night, but uh, kind of like a whole different kind of genre and tone. Um, David Lawry's The Green Knight, which is about, uh, for the longest time I was saying Gawain, but it's Gawain, right? Yeah, Gawain. This is about Gawain. Um, Gawain in this story, he, 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 in relation to King Arthur, he's been known as different things. King Arthur's friend, King Arthur's nephew in the realm of this film, he's King Arthur's nephew. So, um, Gay, Gawain is a, is a young, young man. Um, he's a, he's the nephew to the King, King Arthur. And he, he's kind of a young man that just, he wants he doesn't have any stories to tell. He says that pretty clearly in the in the, uh, one of the opening scenes with him and his uh, uncle King Arthur, where King Arthur addresses him and says, "What story do you have to tell me, young man?" He says, "I have none." And then uh, Guinevere, King Arthur's wife, says, "Yet." So begins our story here, where um, uh, the Green Knight, who is a mythical tree-like creature, comes in on Christmas Day to the Round Table and says, "Hey, I got a wager." Any, uh, I challenge anyone to hit me with a blow, and I will match you the same blow uh, a year and a year and a day hence. So in, in a year and a day. So Gawain, you know, being a young, strapping yet foolish lad he is, wants to make a wants to make a name for himself. Comes up to the Green Knight, chops his head off, walks away. Green Knight comes back up, holding his head, and says, "All right, man, I'll see you in a year." And uh, kind of. Uh, pounces off and kind of, you know, rides off laughing. So pretty much the Green Knight uh, from that point on is about 
well, in the first act, it's about what Gawain, what is he going to do? Is he mm-hmm. going to follow up with it in a year? Is he going to, because really, this whole film is about honor, really. I told my wife, because her and I were arguing on the way back home as to what we felt about the movie. I said, look, I don't mean to sound um, uh, atavistic here, but this this film is really about being a man. It's really about just being a man and having honor. Owning so, up to your duties, your promises. Owning up, owning up to your duties, you know, and um, it's really about a person who, is, is, yeah, that, that's pretty much clear cut what it's about. So in the first act, it's kind of a will he, won't he, is he going to follow up with the whole um, proposal that has been made? Because he, he, keeps be, he's, keeps, he keeps being told the whole time, look, it's a game. Look, nephew, it's a game. You know, like, um, you know, because when the when the proposal was first made, King Arthur steps up to take the uh, deal. But then uh, Gaiman says, I'll do it. And he says, do you understand the game? He says, well, I think I do. Mm-hmm. And... That's the thing about Gaywin. He he always he starts off the film. His first words are literally, "I'm not ready." Well, one of his few of his first words are, "I'm not ready," you know. And he's not ready to be a knight. That's the whole thing. Gaywin is not ready to be a knight. But as as we all do when we're young, we kind of step up to the plate for things we may not be completely prepared for. And as as much as this film is about fulfilling your duties, it's also about growing up. Um, so you know. Um, I'll let you take the torch on where things go from here. And, you know. So I got to say for the first act is basically, as you said, him trying to decide if he's actually going to go. He talks to several people, including uh, one of, the, I'm guessing the woman he wants to eventually live with um, his uncle. His girlfriend. Yeah. His girlfriend, uh, yeah. his uncle, uh, King Arthur kind of tells him, you know, you have to do this, and then you, this is your tale. Uh, you know, is, is the Green Knight going to actually be there and stuff? And well, this is for you to go and find out, and for you to come back and tell right. us. And yeah. it, it, I gotta say, like the first part of this movie goes very slow to me because it's just a lot of verbiage that's repeated over but by different people and i get that that's kind of what they were going for is everybody's kind of telling them this is your adventure to have you need to do this but it just it, it got repetitive uh pretty quickly uh to the point that i even like joked like i bet he's going to go to this person and have the same conversation and then he goes to that person and has the same conversation i was like oh yep okay <laughs> but the I can, movie I- Oh, go on. Go ahead. No, no, I saw you. Go ahead. Yeah, but the movie really starts when he finally leaves the kingdom to go on the journey to the Green Chapel to find right. the Green Knight to have the blow uh, return to him, uh, which would be cutting off his head. So he, if the Green Knight is actually there, uh, he's not coming back alive kind of thing. Like, he knows yeah. this. The Green Knight can bounce back. Gaywin can't. He's right. human. So, yeah. and I I loved how he kind of goes through his adventure and he meets different people that kind of teach him different lessons and everything. Uh, the first of which is a seemingly kid that's kind of just playing around in this war field. Right. And I love how he makes the note of like, I have uh, some brothers around here somewhere. And you assume that that means that they're somewhere just dead, they're but dead. in reality, right. they're just off in the forest, you know. Waiting to trap them. Yeah. 
And yeah, but I thought one of them was a woman. I think so, but at the same time, he said brothers, if I recall correctly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he might have said siblings, and I just am misremembering. I only, uh, this one's only in theaters, so there's no way to go back and kind of re-listen to parts of it unless you want to go through and watch the movie again. Uh, but I probably, I probably will end up seeing this again, if I'm going to be honest. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you have that. Uh, that's a whole ordeal. And then eventually he comes to a house that he believes is abandoned, finds that there is a spirit of a woman there who was beheaded in her sleep by mm-hmm. a stalker. Um, or her ex, I think she says, right? Winifred. Lady Winifred. Yep. So, Dude. who threw her head into the lake and requests that uh, he go into the lake and get it back for her. Uh, then after that, he comes across a fox who kind of joins him on his journey a little bit before he goes to a mansion. And... I want to say, before you move on, dude, I love the Lady Winifred chapter as it is... See, each of these people he meets um, before you move on, I kind of look at, I love how the film kind of shapeshifts because no matter what answer you give, you're not wrong. You can look at these as parables. You can look at these as lessons. You can almost look at them as illusions. It's such a mysterious movie. But like, I love with the, with the Winifred chapter where it kind of teaches him about chivalry. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he thinks everything, Gawain as a young man, everything is kind of handed to him. He's a nephew of King Arthur. He's handed a sword when he first fights the Green Knight. I need a sword. Who has a sword? You know, like everything is given to him. He's never he never really takes anything as a man and owns it. So, um, so I know I, lo- I love when he says to uh, Saint Winifred, like, "Hey, if I get your head, what do I get in return?" And she says, "Why would you ask me that? Like, why why would you expect something in return? Like, just just be a gentleman. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Give me my head, dude." Yeah, I'm asking for your help here, you know. Right. Uh, but this also comes like shortly after when uh, the one kid like goes, "Oh, the Green Chapel, that's like down this stream," and you just keep following that and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, well, thank you." And the kid responds, "So, what do you give me now? Do you is my information worthless to you? Like, what do I get right. now?" And that's another thing too. As a knight, you know, you do have to pay your dues. Is 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 that complex? You got to pay your dues, and sometimes you have to do things without asking for things in return. That's part of being a knight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's part of being a gentleman. You know, so I, I love how he learns these lessons. But go on. Yeah. So after that, he comes to a mansion where he meets a man that lives there with his wife and I'm guessing grandmother, but they really didn't say. Uh, what their um, whole relation was between the so, three of them. So the woman is, um, I believe the woman was his lady's mother. Um, you know, she's blind. She has a blindfold on. So mm. it's, it's a it's a, it's a man and his wife, pretty much a man and his lady. Um, and, you know, it's, it's worth knowing that Alicia Vikander, that's how I say her name, right? Alicia Vikander plays uh, two roles the role of Gawain's girlfriend back home and the role of this lady of the house. However, this lady of the house, you know, she's very seductive. So some, something is very off about her. And uh, the the husband is a little too friendly. You know, he's always like, if I go out and find you a beast, you promise to give me a token of what you, or whatever happened to you in return for the day. And um, 
or any, you know, I will go out and I will bring gifts back to the mansion for you. But in return, I want right. whatever gifts you receive in the mansion in return. Right, right, right. <laughs> which sets which sets up a very awkward, funny scene later. But yeah. um, uh, I love how um the whole time he's, you know, this is where things get a little bit more spooky because you don't know the intentions of these people in this house, and I. I kind of don't know the lesson that comes from this from this parable. I think it's what, what did you get out of this section of the of the movie? So for this one, it was taking what isn't deserved. I think uh, because okay. he ended up taking the sash at the end, which is something that he didn't deserve to have uh, because he basically betrayed everybody in the house and their wishes by taking it. Well, didn't she offer it to him? She offered it to him in exchange for something, and he never gave what uh, she asked. He never did the deed. Came too early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, much, uh, yeah. Uh, and then he also betrayed him because uh, he did not give to him what he got at the mansion and everything, which was, you know, uh, the lady. <laughs> right. Um, I kind of felt like that was... It, it, it kind of felt to me like they were medieval swingers. Yeah, I it, made. I might be looking too much into it, but I think I think it came off like it wasn't really a betrayal. What happened happened. It just didn't happen the way they wanted it to. Right, but, but uh, um, I, I yeah. think the lesson there was like taking what you don't deserve. Uh, mm-hmm. I I could be wrong on that one though, because it could, well, it, yeah, it could be that though. I I think taking what you don't taking what you, you you don't deserve um because this is a this is a moment where nothing's given this is a moment where nothing was really given to him he takes it but he doesn't take it in a way that a knight should take it you know mm-hmm. what i mean like he 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 takes it without being offered it in in the uh proper way or or without it was it wasn't a, a correct exchange you know what i'm saying yeah it, it basically came down to her going oh you failed, but here, take your prize. You know, you feel like you need it. Yeah, I guess that too. I think he really just took it. But um, yeah. Oh, well, you could. Hey, that's the thing about this movie. You could look at it either way. Um, so I want to say about the fox before we get towards the the end. Um, I love the fox, man. Like I feel like the fox is such a, you know, in the in the beginning, it was like, oh, the fox is a cute companion. But I love how you know. Right before we get to the to the uh, confrontation, you know, the fox, you know, all of a sudden says, like, look, man, I'm telling you, these are not the joys you were looking for. If you cross that bridge like this, like this, this is some serious stuff you're getting yourself into. And it, it almost feels like one last final test for Gawain. And then the fox says, well, you know what? If you feel like you can do it, take the sash off. Take the protective sash off that that woman just gave you. Because I think his his mother his mother gave it to him first, right? And then the guy, then the robber took it. And then um um he got he got a new one from the lady, right? I, I think so, yeah. Because yeah, he asked like where did you get this from and she goes, "Oh, I made right. it." Yeah, there there it is. His mother made that for him cuz it was to protect him. Cuz we got to talk about his mom, dude. Cuz like this is another point that my wife and I debated, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, so the fox is like, well, if you really feel like you can do this and you can face that knight, take that sash off. 
then of course, you know, Gawain gets mad and tries to, you know, swipe at the fox and the fox goes away and, you know, kind of looks back at him one more time and then runs off. Do you think the fox was his mom? My wife had that theory. I don't think so. I, well, they kind of allude to his mom being a witch or enchantress of some kind early on in the movie. Uh, So I could see that being one of the spirits that she can control, but I don't think it was her entirely. Yeah. Because I want to say that she seemed to control a lot of what was going on in this adventure, and it could actually be argued that she controlled every facet of the journey that he was on. Uh, The boy, the fox, uh, you know, the spirit that he comes across, even the mansion and everything that's going on in there, that she was controlling it all. Uh, Even the Green Knight, because at the very beginning, you see she's one of the people that's like in the circle uh, calling the Green Knight. See, I didn't see and I looked at it a different way. I, I could I can understand both sides. I looked at it as she's learning the destiny of her son, like her son's destiny is written in written in stone. And she's learning of it at that moment, the moment the Green Knight shows up. But then again, I would ask, why are you setting your son up to die? Mm-hmm. Like, what would be the point? You know what I'm saying? Because it looks like she loves her son. You know, she has care for him. So that that raises even more questions. Um, but uh, we we gonna let's move on. Uh, so the final confrontation. I'll, I'll know, let you uh, take it from here. So Gawain shows up, you know, to the Green Knight, um, who is oh man, the voice over of the Green Knight by uh, Ralph Anderson is a uh, perfect man. Oh, Ralph yeah. Anderson has the perfect dark, deep voice to play the Green Knight. Also, that very you know slow pace speech pattern and everything. Like, are you ready? Perfect. Yeah, like it, it just fits. Nah, this is what I needed to redeem his small performance in that awful gunpowder milkshake. This is what I needed. This film right here. Um, so you know, he 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 meets the Green Knight. You know, he he. I think he waits about two days because the Green Knight is sleeping. Um, at one point, the Green Knight wakes up and says, "Oh, you oh you actually came. You know, you you came came to finish the thing." Green Knight picks up the axe. Um, which I think came from Gawain, because uh, I think he took the axe from, uh... Well, it's the axe that, uh, he got from the Green Knight after he cut off his head initially. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, so, it it, when, uh, he went to go strike the blow, he put down the axe first and said that this is your victory, or this is what you get for your victory, uh, return it to me a year hence... And so he brought the axe, which was stolen by the boy, and then he refound after he got uh, cut free. Uh, same with the sash that later he got, or the he got the axe back from the uh, abandoned house. Mm-hmm. After he got her head, he got the axe back, and then he got his sash back after the mansion. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. Okay, all right, cool. So, so it was that know, same axe that he got from the Green Knight that he brought back to him, and then the Green Knight picks up and uh, goes to use. Right. Uh, all right. So, like at this point, you know, he kind of gets down and puts his head down, and you know, Green Knight raises his axe, and you know, he he flinches, and the Green Knight stops, like, "Hey, why do you flinch?" And at some point, Gaywin asks, "Like, is this is this all there is?" I come here a year later and you just chop my head off and that's that's it? 
He says, well, what else do you expect us to be? And then Gaywin just kind of looks like looks paused. And then he, he, you know, he crouches down again. Green Knight raises the axe. Gaywin steps, steps up and finally says, you know what? I, I, I can't do this. I'm, uh, uh, I'm gone, man. I'm gone. So he just hops on this whole, it's the funniest thing too. He leaves and all of a sudden his horse, which got lost before because the robbers took it, all, suddenly appears. Mm-hmm. Gaywin hops on the horse and it's like he rides past all the, the, the missions he did, all the GTA missions he did to get to this final boss. You know, the house, the, the robber in the beginning. He rides home and we get this great, I love this montage, man. We get this great montage of Gaywin coming home. Everybody looks at him like, oh, he's successful. He he actually made it back. It was just a game. You know, um, he becomes more closer with King Arthur. He makes love to his girlfriend. Uh, things get a little bit darker from there. His girlfriend is pregnant. She gives birth. He takes the child from her because she's not highborn. So, you know, he pretty much doesn't live the rest of his life for her. He, he marries someone else. All throughout this, he keeps the sash around his waist like he did when he faced off with the Green Knight. So he's protected in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, we go through the motions. We see his son grow up. You know, he has another child. His son dies in battle. You know, he becomes this very depressed king um, who, at the point of the rest of the, at the end of the montage, he basically is lost. He's lost that life. You know, he's about to lose this battle, whatever's going on outside his doors. Everyone's running for um, safety, and he's just, like, sitting there defeated. And then, um, you know, uh, after his head kind of, like, comes off his neck for, like, like to, as, a symbol, as a symbol, we realize, oh, this was all kind of like a vision of what he would do if he chose not to go through with this. So, um, you know, we, we pretty much just reached the conclusion where it's like he's still there in the chapel with the Green Knight, and uh, at that point, he takes the shash off and says, you know what, man, go ahead. I, I want to fulfill my duty. I made the decision to do this game. I want to finish the game. And, you know, the Green Knight says, oh, yeah, good of you, Knight. You know, uh, good good job well done. You know, now off with your head. End credits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now be off with your head. Right. Um. Yeah, and that's the movie, man. And, you know... The main point, the main debate point I had with my wife on the way home, and, you know, I respect her opinion. She respected mine, but she was like, like, that movie was, that was pointless. Like, he, like he, he, he made a deal to get his head chopped off a year later, and that's the end? Like, and, like, what was the point? And, you know, my main takeaway was like, well, it's not, it's not about, this is one of those films where it's really not about the destination. It's really about the journey, and in my opinion. Um, you know, it's, it's just a film about honor to me. Like, I feel like it's a film about fulfilling your duties. And like, let me let me let me hear your your take. Do you feel like this film was pointless in the end? Uh, no. I actually like the ending more than the faked out ending. Uh, because as soon mm-hmm. as he ran away, I, I was just pissed. I was just like, really, this is how the movie's Dang. gonna end. This is how it's going. And the entire time it was going through that thing, I was like. I hate this movie. This is a terrible movie. How the hell did this... It, A24 put their name on this movie? How could they put their name on this? This is probably the worst A24 movie I've ever seen. And that's just all going through my head as they're going through like this whole thing of him just living his life afterwards. 
because I was just thinking everything was point. Why would he go on the journey? He he just went on the journey and then he came back and did nothing. Learned nothing from every lesson that he was told. What the hell was the point? This is dumb. This is a dumb movie. I hate this movie. You know, I I hope that this movie flops in the box office. I hope that you know a twenty four goes under and can't you know market anything as bad as this ever again. And then it goes back to the Green Knight in, you know, showing that it was kind of him just thinking about it. And, you know, the whole, like, okay, now, Knight, off with your head. And I was like, this is a great movie. I love this movie. This was such a good movie. Dude, <laughs> I'm going to be real. <laughs> if things ended that way for real, where he really did run off, like, yeah, I would have been pissed. But the fact that he went through all that and he still failed... And he just went through consequence after consequence of not being a man. If it ended right there in that room with him with his head down, looking like man, I, I kind of should have just, I kind of should have just took the wager, and things just went bad for him. I'd be like, you know what? That's good enough because it was a lesson. But I like that it went back and it was just a vision. I wasn't mad about it. I was like, oh, okay. So wh- where's it gonna go from here? Oh no! If if the movie ended on that actual kind of like uh, fake ending kind of thing that they were doing, uh, th- this would have been a zero out of five movie for me. Like that ending would have ruined uh, everything uh, leading up to it. Yeah, like I I, I hate it when a movie ending or even a show anything that the ending just takes you know the entire journey and goes bah with that new ending written. I hate that with a passion. Some people, some some have done it right. I'm not going to name an example because I might be giving away the whole show, but some have done it right. But I hear what you're saying. So, but the fact that it went back and kind of showed that that was like a idea of what could be his future if he didn't go through with it, and you know, I, I like that it kind of ended with uh, him finally agreeing to take the blow and he took off the sash which was his only protection against it you know and accepted his fate and everything i i like that because that's where everything was leading to with the journey that he was on yeah i just look at it as a very thought-provoking parable man i um i think it's a movie that makes you think you know it's a very enigmatic movie um because like even with like the Gaywin himself becomes a legend after, you know, the, the the initial beheading of the Green Knight. Everyone asks him, oh, are you going to meet him? Are you going to see him in a year? You know, everyone everyone just keeps asking him the same thing. He becomes kind of like a, um, you know, as they were saying, certain rap songs, a playground legend. You know, they have like little like, you know, puppet plays after him. You know, he cuts off the Green Knight's head. Green Knight goes away. Green Knight cuts off his head. And they keep showing that. Um... Yeah, it's really about honor and fulfilling your duties, man. Um, I really think it's a parable about that. And, yeah, there's so much, like, I don't... So, so you think his mom was in on it? You you, you think it, I, it could be argued? I think it could be argued that it was mostly controlled by his mom to send him on this journey and to kind of push him in the right direction every facet of the way. But I just, I don't... What's the point? Uh, to like, turn him like, into like, a knight and make him, you know, worthy of the name. But then he's dead. <laughs> he's dead. Well, he made the right choice, which left him alive, though. What do you mean? Because at the end, the Green Knight lets him go. 
No, he doesn't. He says off with your head. Yeah, be off now with your head. Right. Off with your head. Yeah, off with your head. You're dead. No. He says, now be off with your head. Like, as in, with your head intact, be off with you. Leave. No. That's not what that final line meant, Brad. He he, he, he chopped off his head. I'm... Just the way he said that. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no. He said... Now, off with your head. Not, not, not. Hey, you go off now. You know, like, you, you, go, go, go. Uh, we, you, 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 you were a man about this. You, you be off with you now. I think he chopped off his head, man. I, hmm. I, I gotta I disagree got, with you on that one. I, I think we have a Sopranos finale discussion right here, man. Listen, <laughs> man. This dude, I'm still, I'm telling you, the way he said that, he says, "Now, off with your head." Like that's like okay now, now now we now we do the beheading. What are you doing? Looking it up? No no no! It's your opinion. I, I'm it's, pulling it's up your, the exact quote from uh, Wikipedia, which is now comma off with I'm your head. At, I'm looking. I'm on the same page. I'm on the same page. It's saying now off with your head. That's what he said. Not now off with you, and then your head. That's not that's that's not what I heard, man. Mm, I don't know. I might have to watch that last scene again because it, I interpreted it as him saying, you know, n- now leave. You know, you, you know, you showed that uh, you have the bravery for the game. I mean, I think it was that also. Um, yeah, now, now, you know, I got to fulfill my end of the contract, right? <laughs> like, like, OK, you passed, but you, you know, it comes now, right? You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, I think he, I think, I think his head got chopped off, man. I don't think he got away. I'm curious if there's any, because uh, that's where the Wikipedia article ends with that quote. So aside from well, the no, post credit scene, yeah, I didn't see that scene. Did you? I didn't stick around long enough. I didn't stick around for that either. I didn't realize there was going to be a post credit scene for this movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, they. I've been seeing that more often with certain films that even with the obscure ones, there can be like a little like afterthought. I wish I would have seen that. I wonder who the young girl is that puts on the King's crown. But, um, yeah, yeah, man. I think he, uh, he got got, man. Okay. But you know, it, it, just, it just gave off that type of tone that, you know what, man, you were a man. And before I do this, I'm going to congratulate you. Cause you know, you, 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 you live on through your legend is how I took it. Because, again, if he dies in the end, what was the point of his mom's doing this if she's responsible? I just don't I don't see it. I, I could see his mom being involved like I've seen the destiny of my son. I have to give him a little test to turn him around because I think I think her whole point is to get her son not to do it because she loves her son. Well, like the fox. Go ahead. There's also when uh, I can't remember who it was that said the Green Knight is actually someone, you know too uh was that i can't remember if that was the spirit or the lady at the mansion that said that i do remember hearing that it might have been at the mansion but that's essay could be written on this man it could be the green knight is his mom but again you gotta ask what's the what's the point he needed a tale to tell he needed a lesson to learn that's why i don't think he died at the end 
I can't. You're not gonna sell me on that one. I think he's dead. But um, well, the gay one in this story is dead because you know this is a this is a kind of a fable. I, I think. Yeah, this is an alternate <laughs> telling of Gaywin. Right, right, right. There's different stories that come with Gaywin, but um, this is this this is that this is the story that was written for this um, by someone who's anonymous, by the way. But um, yeah, I don't um, I don't know, man. We, we we might have to talk about this a little bit more off air, but I I, I truly believe he got his head chopped off. I, I'm uh, gonna go searching for interviews or for other discussions on this because I'm gonna find the answer, regardless if I like the answer or not. I'm gonna find the answer somewhere. Well, well, I'll say this: the the original script for the Green Knight before I saw the film, it was kind of floating around on on the, on the internet, and um, when I when I initially read that, like uh. At the end of the script, it said, you know, Gaywin put his head down, the axe comes down, the game ends, and then it wrote the end. I, I, I mean, I know things change from script mm-hmm. to screen, of course, you know, but I, I didn't take it as with, hey, man, you know, you won, now you're off with you. I, uh, you don't, I, I don't agree with you on that, man. Okay, we'll, we'll find out. Either way, we'll find out. Sell. That's a hard sell. Because with everything um, that happened throughout the movie and everything, it's it's a hard press to be like, and then he just died there, especially when it seemed like his mom was controlling everything along that journey, from the spirit to the people at the mansion and everything, to them even mentioning like the Green Knight is somebody you know, uh, the fox telling him to go back and to take off the sash, and you know the sash being something that was initially given to him by his mother. Uh, it just everything lines up that he survives to me and that well, she was well, the one behind it. And I, I debated with my wife about that, about the sash. My, my defense was, Hey, he kept that sash on the whole time. Like I believe his, his mother kept that sash in his hands the whole time. So he, so this wouldn't happen to him. So he wouldn't get his head chopped off. Cause I think his mom the whole time was trying to protect him. I looked at the opening as, she just learned her, her son's fate through her witchcraft. And she's like, okay, I got to think of some ways to save him. You know, like, um, and that's what all these parables were for. These were like tests to like save her son and try to get him to turn around and not do the deed. Cause it's only in the end when he takes the sash off that it's like, okay, good on you night off with your head. So I believe the whole time the mother is trying to save her son. Like it, I just, that's just what I believe. Why give him the sash just to have him take it off? But then the line, the Green Knight is somebody you know. What What's the point of that line then? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, listen, I think there's an argument that goes both ways. Like, it can be debated both ways. This is the Soprano series finale. Um, you can, you can debate it both ways on what happened, which I think is a testament to how great this movie is. I plan to see it again, by the way. But I just, I, I I'm leaning more towards yeah, man, that was the end for him. That was the end of Gaywin. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we just we'll find out. We'll we'll, we'll do some digging and see what's see what's yeah. what on the internet but, on the Reddit uh, communities. The ending aside and everything like that. Uh, this movie has some great long takes. Uh, oh, when yeah. he's leaving the kingdom and the kids are following him. Uh, yep. When he's going through that uh, war field and, you know, you have him talking with the 
kid that's there and kind of gives him directions mm-hmm. and stuff. That's all one long take. Uh, there's I a couple the, uh, other ones that are just they're fantastic. The 360 shot where he has the vision of him standing there tied up, dead. Yeah, you know, and then it comes back around. And he's alive. He, he kind of realizes, okay, I, it's go time. I got to get myself out of here. Um, yeah, it had great cinematography, man. This is this, this is a very nice looking film, you know, and um, it's different. You know, it's not it's it's not quite what you expect it to be. Um, it's a it's a very like I said, it's very enigmatic. Um, but yeah, I think there are some great long takes. You know, David Lowry is. He's made some pretty good films, like a ghost story and things of that nature that has have good cinematography too. Yeah, so I, I gotta say that's probably the strongest point of this film is the cinematography, to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing. Oh no! It, it's ah. it's not bad. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, the yeah, writing yeah. isn't bad, but it's okay. Uh, the acting is good. I enjoyed that. Uh, there's. <laughs> The, the pacing is a little slow on my, for my it, taste. It can't, it can't take a while to get to its point. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, I think as far as the writing goes, it's a nice deconstruction and reconstruction of the classic fable. Like the film, the film makes good of its time, second act onward. Like it makes mm-hmm. good of its time by showing the different challenges Gaywin is put through. And dude, I gotta say, Dave Patel, Dave Patel's um, performance is great, man. Like, he gives a great, like, dynamic performance. As you see this, you see him go from a young man that's just, he, he's kind of a slacker. He doesn't really have a story to tell. He's not living up to his family's name to a frightened young man that's like, oh, shoot, I got to fulfill this destiny. So towards the end, he's dignified, and he's actually an actual knight. Like, I feel like I love how Dave Patel kind of goes through the motions of his character. Like he sells Gaywin. Even in the future, mm-hmm. the future vision, the future alternate vision of an older Gaywin, he even sells that vision. Yeah, like I, I love Dev Dev's performance in this film, man. Yeah, he did really well. The acting in this movie was well done. Uh for him, for the little kid that he comes across, uh, for the people in the mansion, it it comes across really well. And then you have like the voice of the Green Knight, which is just on point perfect for that character exactly what you would expect them to sound like give me one second give me one second kyra do you think he do you think he died at the end of the green knight okay my wife thinks he died at the end of the green knight okay well we'll see we'll find that answer (laughs) yeah 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 Uh, she goes he even said it off with your head like yeah like uh I think you're wrong on this one, Brad. But um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I give it a four or five, man. Four point five. Uh, this one, if it wasn't for like the pacing issues and some of the other stuff, this would be higher on my scale. But I, I give this one like a three five, four, between there. It's fair. That's fair. Uh, it's um, if it wasn't yeah. for the pacing and some of like the just overall story just being so slow paced uh Mm -hmm. this would definitely be higher up the cinematography is just like i said that's my favorite part of this movie is the cinematography some of the ways that scenes are filmed like one shots are not easy to do and this one does multiple one shots uh yeah so it's it's done so fantastically i want to see more movies take advantage of the one shot 
uh, without it being like a spectacle of here's the one shot of the like the Daredevil uh, show. You always had the one one shot of the season that everybody would talk about. And it's nice seeing one shots in a movie where it's not like the spectacle of the movie. It's just kind of done to progress the story. It just happens to be a one shot. It's part of its nature. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, man, this seems like this one of those, this seems like this is one of those films that's like two rewatches away from me giving it a fiver. Really? I feel like it's, it's two rewatches away. Now maybe I'm wrong, but it felt like in the first act, part of the thing that pulled me to it, but kind of like pushed me away. was like the long, the dialogue between him and his uncle Arthur is like very long. Like that mm-hmm. scene is a little long. That where they're just talking about destiny and stories and stuff like that. I know it's meaningful dialogue, but it kind of it kind of slows the whole thing down in the first act. Where I'm like, okay, well, where where is this all going? Like I know they're talking about something serious, but what what's what, what's happening here? Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, that first um, act yeah, right. is definitely uh, hard to get through. Like, I remember when I was first sitting down and watching it, I was like, ah, if this is going to be the movie, this is this is going to be a little rough. Uh, luckily, it does yeah. pick up a little bit once he leaves the castle, but there is still some pacing issue even there. Uh, I think I think the only the only place where there's a little bit of a pacing issue, but I, I forgive it because of how dark, every, because of how... Um, sketchy everything is is the um the 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 final test where it's um it's the um it's the lord and his lady you know the seduction test i guess is what you would call it mm-hmm. um i feel like that's the only place where things kind of slow down a little bit and i'm like i don't i don't know what's going on but i'm willing to stick with it because it seems seems like something's going on you know beneath the uh surface right but um all right i think if we were to do a header uh Knight's Tale is the more entertaining, fun one. I just think Green Knight is the better movie. So I, I, I pick Knight. I pick Green Knight. I pick Green Knight. I was going to say, they both have Knight in the title. Which one is it? Are you trying to pull that like double string here of like, I, I like the Knight movie the most out of these two, and let's wrap it up there. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, like Steve Crow on Anchorman. I, I love Lamp. Yeah. I, I love Lamp. <laughs> When it comes to recommending a movie, I'd probably more likely recommend A Knight's Tale to people than The Green Knight. Uh, Just because it is the more fun movie, it is, you know, because Green Knight is a lot, you know, slower paced. There's a lot more thinking about it. Yeah, it's a very niche movie. Uh, I know, like, to other critics and stuff like that, I would highly recommend The Green Knight over A Knight's Tale 100%. but it's it's close on this one. It's really comes down to the audience when it comes to which one is better than the other. Uh, overall, for me, I would say like the cinematography wise for the Green Knight just puts it a little bit higher uh, for than a Knight's Tale for me. They're both just so okay. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, you know, they both have both- different audiences there for. And I think they fulfill what right. they're trying to for each of those audiences. Uh, neither yeah. of them really fails. No, they don't fail. That that that's fair. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards Green Knight, but I I hear what you're saying. Um, all right, man. You seen anything else lately? Um, outside of this, I finished up My Hero Academia up to where it currently is. 
Uh, oh man, you were going. Yeah, that I just steamrolled through that entire show. Um, nice. I then, good things. Uh, I'm I'm not on the right side of that one. Uh, I, I've even talked to some of my friends that have like been highly recommending it to me, and I've pretty much gone. I, am I missing something? Like this is just every Wait, other anime that I've seen. <laughs> why don't you keep watching it if that's your take? Because uh, everybody kept telling me that this was like the new Dragon Ball Z. This was the new this and stuff. And I was like, okay, oh. maybe it's just slow pace now and it'll keep, it'll ramp up. And there were some parts that were like really well done. But yeah, yeah. overall, it's like, hey, it's just an average anime to me. Dude, that's what I'm worried. That's what I'm worried about what Attack on Titan might end up being to me. Because everybody that I know that watches anime keeps saying, dude, Anthony, why haven't you watched Titan yet? I'm like, man, look, man, is it going to be good? Because, you know, like, so, I still got to get through Monster. But, Attack um, on Titan, I can highly recommend because that one isn't trying to okay. be like the, you know, this person, their entire goal is just beating up, you know, the next big bad. It's not the, mm-hmm. you know, villain of the month kind of thing. Uh, Attack on Titan does things completely different. It has a really good story, really good characters, and it. I, I really like it because it continually throws little curveballs at you every time you're like, oh, I understand what's going Oh, nope, I don't understand anything that's going on anymore. I like that. I Oh, I like I, okay, that. I'm starting to catch up. I, I, I get what's going on. Nope, nope, I do not understand a single thing that is happening anymore in this show. <laughs> that's low-key one of the reasons why I love Mr. Robot so much, which, dude, yeah. I, you, you started that show but didn't finish it, right? Yeah, I have finished seasons one and two. I got to do three and four still. Yeah, that see, that's one of the things that engaged me in that, where I was like, okay, I know where this is going. And then Sam Esmail throws a curveball and says, nope, you don't. Yep. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, because I, I, okay, if it's like that, I'll give Attack on Titan a chance. I'll still give My Hero Academia a chance because I just keep getting, I keep getting, I keep getting recommended that. Um, what's the new one that everyone loves? Demon Slayer? Uh, Demon Slayer I had to watch, but mostly for Demon Slayer, I keep hearing that it's just the art and the animation you have to watch. Even if you don't care for the story, the art and the animation are going to pull you in. Yeah, I keep getting recommended those. And, you know, because, you know, one, one show I kind of just want to just check out, even though it's so long, I kind of wanted to see a few episodes of One Piece. It just looks like a fun show. I hear that One Piece is a really fun one. I remember watching it back when it was originally running on Cartoon Network back in, mm-hmm. you know, the maybe early 2000s, late 90s, whenever it finally started getting dubbed. And it, that anime has been going weekly since it first started. <laughs> it It's insane that that show has not stopped a single... Like outside of weeks for like holiday stuff and everything like that or special events. Wait, you mean every single week? Yeah, every single week. That oh, wow. anime has been going. It's I want to say it's the longest, or no, it's a contender for one of the longest running anime of all time. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Every single week, man. Oh yeah. wow. So if you were to start it today and go through all the episodes that are out right now. Uh, by the time you finished, I think there'd be another like two days worth of episodes you could watch. And I'm saying like that is in like a full like 16 hours of new episodes for you to watch. Wow. Okay. Hey, I um, I I understand what you're saying. I got you. 
Um, I oh, dude, I saw the new Matt Damon film Stillwater. Is that one good? I keep seeing ads for that one now. Very good, man. Very, very good movie, dude. And you know it's made by a boy who made Spotlight, um, uh, Tom McCarthy. Okay. This is this is very good, man. Better than, way better than Spotlight, really. Um, this is a film where um, it's not even it's not really based on a true story. It's inspired by the story of Amanda Knox, which if you know her story, she went overseas. She was an exchange student. She got caught up. She was um, framed for murder and went to prison. Um, just to be exonerated later because it found out she didn't really do it. Um, the the story isn't based off her. Her 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 situation just inspired the film because Matt Damon plays the father of a of a young girl who who was a, who was arrested for a murder and he's trying to find the truth to free her. She's overseas. She's she's overseas in Marseille. I think is the way you say it. Marseille, France. France. Mm-hmm. Dude, great movie, man. And Matt Damon gives a great performance. Like, 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 seriously, great performance. Like um, Oscar performance, or yeah, okay, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would give him the nomination. Okay. Um, I've always, I've always liked Matt Damon, but the thing with Matt Damon is, I can, I can. It feels like he's so Jason Bourne. Every film I see him in, I'm like, okay, this is Jason Bourne disguised as a guy who's trying to fight a. Who's trying to debate an environmentalist in the small town country? This is Jason Bourne disguised as a dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Every film, I just see him as Jason Bourne. You know what I'm right. saying? But this film, he really sucked into the role of a everyday Southern man that sticks out like a sore thumb overseas, just trying to figure out what he can do to prove his uh, daughter's innocence. And it's really a, it's two movies in one, really. It, it, that's the thriller part of the movie. The other part of the movie is kind of like a redemptive story for his character, you know, because he wasn't always the best father. And, you know, he's trying to right his wrongs um, and he's trying to re- repair his relationship with his daughter. And, uh, yeah, man, it's just that's just a great movie, dude. I love Stillwater. I uh, recommend it. To, I'm probably going to write a review for that for 8-Bit, that and Green Knight. But uh, I recommend it to anyone listening to go see it. Okay. Cause I, I keep seeing I haven't watched a trailer for it yet, but I keep seeing like ads pop up for that one recently. So I, I need to check that one out. Uh, same with Pig. I still need to watch that one. Um. Yeah. Pig. Oh man, still haven't seen Pig. I still haven't seen. I I have it on my watch list, but uh, I still haven't just sat down to watch it. Cause that is that one on streaming anywhere, or is it just in theaters? I don't know if it's streaming yet. I don't know if it's on demand yet, but um, yeah, I really like Pig, man. Pig was Pig was a good movie. Man. I've heard that other totally people say fun. that it's a good movie now as well. So it's it's on my list. It's just a matter of you know getting a ticket and going to the theater to see it. So what? You don't have trust in thee? No, it's a matter of me finding the time to go to a theater. It's hard. I remember being able to go to the theater like three times a week, no problem. Now it's like, oh, I got to go to the theater to watch a movie? Hold on. Let me just check my schedule, make sure I can... Okay, let's see. <laughs> right, right. Um, ooh, next week's going to be pretty good, man. Suicide Squad, and uh, there's an independent film I want to see called Nine Days. Oh, yeah. Oh, that reminds me. I did see Suicide Squad. 
Oh, you saw it early. Yeah, there was a pre-screening here last Thursday. So I, I got a chance to see that already. You lucky, you lucky, you lucky SOB, man. I know. How was it, man? Uh, was much it? better than the 2016 version. I'll say that. See, that's the I, I know that's the general consensus, but that's not David Ayer's fault, you right? Know? And I that, that I, one's I a sad, sad tale. It's, it's very sad, and you know everyone try to tries to look at a well, not everyone, but there are some people who I've kind of like debated with online where they're like, well, you know, he needs to stop crying about it. I'm like, well, dude, put yourself in his position. You see colleagues that have made films for the same studio. Snyder got a Snyder cut. You see a colleague of yours. I think him and James Gunn are friends. You, mm-hmm. you see James Gunn come in and, you know, do a sequel to your film that's better because he has more creative control. You know, why Why wouldn't you have empathy for him to say, look, man, I just want to show the film that was destined to be shown. Like, you know, yeah. I just want to I want to redeem I myself made. as an artist. Yeah, yeah it, I want to redeem myself as an artist. It's kind of like dropping your kid off at daycare and coming back and they're missing all their limbs and, you know, they're hooked up to a breathing tune. You're like, what did you do? And they're like, we made it better. You you should be happy. You're welcome. <laughs> right, right. A trailer. <laughs> when you told me that, I was like, that has to be some kind of rumor like or some theory. But I, but I looked at it. But, you know, I think we looked it up and you were right. A trailer yeah. house edited that movie. And I was like, I can't believe it. Yeah, WB handed the entire movie to a trailer house. And I will say, like, there, there has to be good uh, relations between David Ayer and James Gunn because uh, James Gunn does put, like, a thanks to David Ayer at the end of the movie. Like, in the credits role and everything like that, he has, like, the thanks to these people. And David Ayer is the first name on the list, I think. That's sweet of him to do, man. That's, yeah. that's, a, that, that's a true friend right there. Um, so, all right, well, we're taking all that aside, being better than the original, because we expected that. Oh, yeah. On its own, is it a good movie? Uh, I'm excited to see it a second time. I will say that. Okay, all right. That's all I need to hear. Yep, I am um, very yeah. excited to see it for a second time, because, yeah, it it definitely plays out what you would expect James Gunn. Uh, the person that made Guardians of the Galaxy and what was the horror movie that he made prior? Um, Slither. Slither, yeah. You you can tell mm-hmm. this is made by the same guy that made Slither and Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, right. It's an R-rated superhero movie, for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I hear. Um, yeah, he can be a little off the wall sometimes, but... Uh, from what I hear, he he balances that out with with, with some heart too. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but there there are some scenes where or some deaths, as you would expect from a movie called The Suicide Squad, that make you go, "Oh God! Oh, mm, okay." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm gonna save that for an IMAX screening. I'm probably we we're probably gonna see that in IMAX. Oh yeah. I highly recommend it. I'm looking forward to it. Other than that, man, I don't I don't have anything else. You? Um, yeah, nothing else that I can think of. Uh, I'm okay, sure fair. I watch other things, but I can't think of them. <laughs> okay, fair lads. Thank you for indulging us with this uh, uh, sweet double feature tale of two knights and their honors. Please come back again for uh, the next episode where we uh, discuss. 
whatever we choose to discuss that episode, be the farewell. Probably the ending of the Green Knight again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That this 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 argument isn't done, folks. Yeah. We're probably gonna be talking about this for a few more episodes. Yeah, th- this is at least five episodes ahead of us still. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Uh, thanks for uh, listening. Like, share, subscribe. You know the deal.